Good morning. Once again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, as we live from day to day and uh, watch what is going on and have questions about the uh, events of life, uh, we would do well to remember uh, to be ever mindful of the fact that humanity is but the creation and God is the creator. Uh, the things that are difficult for us are simple to God. Uh, the things that are unclear to us are plain to God. And the things that are unknown to us are laid open before God. God is superior to man in thought, actions, and character. And moreover, we would do well to remember that all that God is with us, he would still be without us. Uh, he is God all by himself. Uh, the psalmist has declared in Psalm 86, verse 10, uh, for thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. Uh, now you'll notice the, I, I clicked, the screen hasn't changed. I'm uh, there, okay, so it's just a little bit tardy, but uh, we'll get through this. Uh, as we uh, are gathered together uh, again this morning, uh, want to remind us, uh, and I did it again, all right, uh, we want to direct your attention rather to Job, uh, the 37th chapter, uh, to the text that Brother Theon read into our hearing. Uh, we want to look there again at verse number 14. Uh, there, Elihu declares, hearken unto this, O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Based on uh, the words of this young man there in Job 37, verse 14, we want to use this morning as a subject title, The Wondrous Works of God. Now, just as a reminder, our theme for 2021 is staying focused on Jesus. And as we consider the text that we have before us here in Job 37, I submit to you that we live in a hustle and bustle world, a, a world where we want everything done as soon as it possibly can be done. And this is not just with, uh, you know, mundane things. This is even with the events of our living. Uh, if you stop and think about it, uh, when you look at the pace of our life, we have fast food. Uh, we have the fast lane, uh, the microwave oven, uh, express delivery, instant coffee, instant gratification. We, we want everything done now. We live in the culture of now, uh, but I further submit to you that this can and often does work to our disadvantage. You know, life can't be lived at warp speed. Uh, there are times when we need to, uh, as the saying goes, stop and smell the roses. 
And moreover, we need to embrace the fact that God doesn't work according to our will or according to our schedule. When you look at uh, the last uh, several months and maybe even going back into last year, uh, COVID-19 has dominated 2020 and is still going strong out the gate in 2021. You know, they're finding uh, uh, new strains of the virus and who knows what this means uh, uh, down the road. And I'm sure somewhere in there, all of us wonder, what is God doing or what is God allowing? Well, when we look at the text here in Job chapter 37, the account of the text indicates to us that there are times that we miss the answers because we are too busy asking the questions. When you think about Job uh, uh, and the account that's related to us, uh, you remember that God testifies on Job's behalf and, and his sufferings come uh, because God has testified. You remember Satan said, does Job fear God for no reason? And uh, he, he, he laid the accusation against Job that Job didn't, uh, 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 the only reason that Job served God is because God had blessed him. And, and you remember uh, uh, there, typically we're very familiar with chapters one and two. You remember how God allowed Satan to visit evil in the life of Job. And then Satan came back and asked for a second chance. And through all of that, Job remained faithful. And then when we move on uh, into chapter three and the rest of, uh, of the account of Job, uh, it's indicated to us that Job's three friends, and, and I'm gonna call them friends because that's what the Holy Spirit called them, but Job's three friends, uh, Eliphaz, um, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, uh, come to comfort him, but actually end up doing more accusing than they do comforting. And, and then in chapter 32, a fellow by the name of Elihu enters into the fray. And, and he says pretty much what Job's three friends have been saying. And I, I just find it interesting that even at that time, there were people that fancied themselves experts in someone else's problems even though they really didn't know what they were talking about. Do you know anyone like that? Do, do you know somebody that always has advice, always wants to tell you what you should be doing, even though they may not really understand your situations and even though they have problems too? Now, I, I, I don't have to judge the value uh, of the words of Job's friends and the words of El, uh, Elihu because God already has. Uh, you remember in, in Job 42, verse number seven, God told uh, Eliphaz that uh, his wrath was kindled against him and his two friends because they had not spoken the thing that is right uh, as Job had. Now, interestingly, God says that uh, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar are wrong, but, but he, he ignores Elihu altogether. Now, you take that how you want to take it, but the only person that God spoke favorably of was Job. Now, 
I don't want to bash Elihu or, or, or Job's three friends for that matter, but I know Elihu was presumptuous. In chapter 36 and verse number four, uh, Elihu had the gall to say, for truly my word shall not be false. He that is perfect in knowledge is with thee. He, he, he says to Job, now, now if you want to know what's right, just listen to me because I know what I'm talking about. Now, now, the only one that has perfect knowledge is God. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to give you this one for free. Just be careful about listening to somebody that always toots their own horn. And, and, and when they toot their horn, it's always the highest of praise uh, uh, for themselves. Uh, how are you going to tell somebody you have perfect knowledge? Well, well, Elihu, you don't know what's going on. You don't know why Job suffered what he suffered. You weren't there to hear the conversation between God and Satan. So how is it you think you have perfect knowledge and can tell Job exactly what's going on? When we look at this account, uh, uh, these four men uh, espouse the misguided theology of retribution. Now, now, what I mean when I say that, uh, they were of the mind that God would kill the wicked and, and preserve the righteous. Now, that's true, but it's not true in every case. Uh, every time somebody suffers something evil, it's not because they have sinned. And every time somebody receives something uh, uh, that we think is good, it's not that God is blessing them because they've done uh, uh, righteousness. Uh, the most dangerous theology in the world is the one that mixes some truth with its error. And that's what these four men came to Job with, that they came with a, a theology that had some truth, but, but, but it also had some error. But for all their error, there's a sound word of wisdom from uh, Elihu in, in verse number 14. Now, now hear him again, hearken unto this, O Job, Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Now, in his discourse, which was rather lengthy, it spans six chapters there uh, in the account of Job. But, but, but in his discourse, uh, Elihu portrays God as the God of the storm. And although his theology misses the mark, uh, he does make a good point in, in verse number 19 there. In verse 19, he says, teach us what we shall say unto him, for we cannot order our speech by reason of darkness. Now, Elihu is effectively saying uh, that, that Job, since you don't understand how God works in nature, you can't presume to know how God is working in, in your life. And, and that's true for all of us. So, you know, all of us would do well to heed this message we don't know how God does what he does in, in nature. We, we've read the Bible many times and still can't explain uh, of the things that God has done. Uh, uh, how, where does God keep the snow? Where, uh, uh, how does God just bring the rain when he decides that it ought to rain? And looking even beyond that, uh, how is it that Jesus just walked on water? How, how did he multiply fish and bread into uh, a meal for thousands? We can't explain how God has done what we know he's done. So how is it that we try to explain when we don't even understand what it is that he's doing? Take the current global pandemic or, or, or really any situation for that matter. 
but when you look at where we are, since we can't explain what God does in nature, how do we question what he does or what he allows in life? Uh, Elihu just had, uh, uh, he had it right. He said, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Now, when you talk about the wondrous works of God, they are many and varied. The psalmist declares in Psalm 40 and verse number five, he says, many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. What the psalmist is saying is that the, the works of God are great indeed and in scope. And, and, and by that, we mean to say that the works of God are great, not only in what he does, but also in what he's accomplishing while he does it. Now, take, for example, the dividing uh, of the sea uh, in the days of Moses. It was a wondrous feat to divide the sea, but it was also a wondrous feat to deliver the Israelites from the Egyptians through the sea. When we look at what's going on in our world today, it's remarkable to me that COVID-19 is worldwide. You know, I, I've heard about things going through a household and maybe even you know people that work the same job catching things but when you talk about this thing being all around the world uh that's remarkable to me but what we find more remarkable is what god is doing or what god is allowing if we could know that now I, you know personally i think god is trying to get uh, you know give the world a wake up call and lord knows we need to have our attention drawn to uh, uh, to God. We, we really do need to focus on, on Jesus, and, and the world itself needs to be reminded that we are the creation, and God is the creator, but it is just remarkable what God does uh, when we look at it. Now, Elihu has portrayed God as the God of the storm. Now, the storm of the text is quite literally a rainstorm, but I, I submit to you that uh, almost any life-changing or or any life-challenging event may be cons considered a storm also. You know, maybe you're having a storm in your personal relationships, or maybe you're having a storm with your health or with your finances. The things that we go through in life can be storms uh, also. But, but if we experience storms in our living, then I, I think we need to give heed to the words of Elihu, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. You know, God is doing something when he allows a storm or when he brings a storm uh, uh, in our living. Look with me there, if you will, in your Bibles, uh, Job 37 and verse number seven. The Bible says, he sealeth up the hand of every man that all men may know his work. I, I submit to you, number one this morning, uh, that the Bible is telling us that God uses storms to get our attention. Now that's what he's talking about when he says in, in verse seven, he seals up the hand of every man. He just said, God can do some things to get our attention. And that God endeavors to get our attention says that there are some things we need to know or things of which we need to be reminded. 
And, and, and I tell you right now, our world needs to be reminded uh, uh, that God reigns in the kingdom of men. Uh, our world needs to be reminded that our creative purpose is to fear God and keep his commandments. We, well, we need to be reminded of our need for God and our inability to help ourselves. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say, if you look at our world today, that man has gotten too big for his britches. So now, uh, Elihu says there in, in verse number seven, uh, he sealeth up the hand of every man that all men may know his word. When you stop and think about it, uh, a storm can bring all activity to halt. You know, you can be outside doing something, but if the storm is severe enough, whatever it is we were doing, we put it on hold and, and everybody takes cover until the storm is over. Well, well, appreciate this. Man is subject to the forces of nature and nature operates at God's direction. See, God can send a storm in our lives to get our attention. Have you ever shrugged somebody off uh, when they're trying to get your attention? And it may have been the case that they were trying to get your attention to help you. You know, there are times when we don't realize or just plain ignore our own peril. I, I can remember some years ago being at uh, one of the national lectureships and uh, 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 the guy that was preaching, uh, he wasn't from the town where the lectureship was, but he had rented a car to get around. And you know how it is when you're driving somewhere that you're not from, it's easy to get lost. And so he had got lost and was trying to find his way back to the hotel. And you know how it is when you're lost, you're looking for anything familiar and not paying the best of attention to your surroundings. So uh, as he uh, uh, told it, he made a turn onto a street and, and notice when he made the turn that, that a homeboy, now, now that's what he called me, he called him a homeboy. Now, now if you don't know what that is, ask somebody and they'll help you out some. But, but a homeboy was trying to get his attention and was waving his hand and uh, you know, he just, he just made some assumption based on the fact uh, 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 that the guy was dressed as a homeboy, but but he realized as he got about halfway down the block that the fellow was really trying to get his attention to warn him that he was turning the wrong way on a one-way street. You know, sometimes people trying to get our attention and for whatever the reason might be, we don't always pay attention to the person who's trying to get my attention. But do you know sometimes we do that with God? God is trying to get our attention, but we won't pay attention to the God who condescends to try to get our attention in the first place. Now, now if you think about this, if, if God didn't care, he could just let us keep going and watch us wreck ourselves. But storms, you know, God will send a storm, but, but it's not God's method uh, uh, of choice. Uh, in your Bibles, in 2 Chronicles 36, uh, beginning at verse number 14, the Bible says, Moreover, all the chief of priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up by time and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. Now, the people needed somebody to get their attention. 
So God says, well, because I have compassion, let me try to get your attention. That's why he was sending out the messengers, but they wouldn't listen to the messengers. So do you know what God did? God said, well, if you don't, if you won't listen to the messengers, let me get your attention by sending a storm. And in verse 30, uh, verse 16, rather there, it says, but they mocked the messengers of God as despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no more remedy. Now, if you keep reading there in Psalm 36, it said that God allowed uh, the Babylonians to come in and just run roughshod over them. Well, that was a storm to get their attention because they wouldn't listen to God who was trying to get their attention by sending messengers their way. But appreciate, God doesn't start with a storm. Have you ever had the experience of hearing a sermon or a Bible class lesson that seemed like it was speaking specifically to you? Well, now, I, I don't work for the FBI or, 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 you know, and even if we have some of our brethren that may, you know, I'm sure it hadn't been appointed to them to follow you around and just watch your business and, and, and then come back and teach about your business in Bible class. I, I, I don't know what's going on with you through the week, but, but, but how is it then that sometimes it seemed like the sermon was geared directly towards me? That's just God trying to get our attention through his word. I couldn't follow you well enough to know all of your business and preach about what's going on in your living. That that's God trying to get, get our attention through his word, but we don't always listen and God may have to up the ante with us uh, like he did with Israel back in the Old Testament times. Oh, okay, if you won't listen to my prophets and my messengers, I, I've got another way to get your attention. Well, for all we know, that's what God is doing in the world right now. I, I've been trying to warn the world, y'all need to listen. You need to slow down and come back from the path that you have chosen. Well, if you won't listen to my word, that God can send a storm to get our attention. But then looking further there in Job 37, drop with me, if you will, down to verse number 13. There, the Bible says, he causeth it to come whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. God can use a storm to correct. And, and here's one of the places where these four men uh, uh, in the text were wrong. See, every storm is not for correction. Now, we know that just from the account of Job. Job wasn't suffering because of some wrong that he had done. To the contrary, Job was suffering because he had demonstrated by his living that he was faithful and God knew that he could depend on Job to do the right thing. See, every storm is not for correction. Some storms are for perfection. In your Bibles, in James 1, beginning at verse number two, James says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Now, you could understand that to mean when different storms come into your life. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, what James is saying is every time you have a hardship, every time you have some trouble, it's not God trying to stop you from walking down the wrong path. Sometimes it's God trying to help you be a better you. You know, maybe you've done some inventory in your living, 
and, and you realize, you know, Lord, there are some areas I just need to be better in. And it, maybe you need to be better with kindness and compassion and, and, and how you deal with people that, that just pluck your nerves. And so maybe you pray to God and you say, Lord, just help me be a, a better representative of Christ Jesus with difficult people. Well, well, you might as well have asked the Lord to just send somebody contrary in, into your living. And, and you notice that 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 person on your job that has been a thorn in your side, well, now they two thorns in your side. Well, well, God hadn't allowed them to be two thorns because he's trying to get you to straighten up. God is allowing them to be two thorns because he's trying to help you be a better you. And maybe you didn't know what you were praying for, but you asked him to send a storm of perfection uh, uh, in your living. Some storms are for perfection. And, and if you really want to get deep into that thing, some storms may not be for me or about me in particular. Uh, it, it might be the case that God is using me to help someone else, or it might be the case that my life is intertwined with someone that needs a storm. You know, if, if you're a parent and, and, and you have a child, maybe your child needs a storm. Well, let me tell you something as a parent. When your child goes through a storm, you go through a storm. See, when people you care about go through something, you go through something too. Now, that storm may not even be for me or about me. It's just because my life is close to somebody that that needs a storm. But appreciate when God uses a storm for correction, there is both reason and purpose. See, God never just sends storms because he can. You know, God is not a, 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 a bully. He 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 He's not sitting up in heaven just, you know, how can I just mess with somebody's living? When, whenever God uses a storm for correction or, or perfection for that matter, there is both a reason and a purpose. Now, when you're talking about a storm of correction in Hebrews 12 and verse number 11, the Hebrew writer declares, now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. Now, see, when you're talking about chastening, you know you're talking about a storm of correction, because that's what chastening is. Chastening is a whooping, and, and you get a whooping when you need some correction. Well, sometimes God sends storms of correction in our living. And, and notice what, what, what the Hebrew writer said. It's not joyous when you get it. I never have had a whooping that, you know, you're just glad to be getting the whooping while you're glad you're getting it. Now, now that I'm much older, you know, and, and, and look back, I thank God because now I can see, you know, I needed that uh, for the very reason that the Hebrew writer says here, you know, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Yeah, it hurts and it'll have you shed some tears, uh, but look what else it will do. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now, that's how I know chastening is a whooping, because the Hebrew writer says it involves some exercise. Uh, when you exercise by chastening, then that means you have been taken to the woodshed and, and been given uh, uh, some correction. Now, I, I, I know when, when, when he says exercise, he's not really talking about like jumping jacks and physical activity, uh, but, but that's good preaching. Sometimes God sends storms of correction uh, uh, in our living. But whenever he does, there is both reason and a purpose. And, and then look further there in, in verse 13. Again, he says, he causeth it to come, whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. 
I, I submit to you, when, when Elihu says that God sometimes uh, causes the storm to come for his land or for mercy, that God uses storms to be merciful. Now, the word translated mercy in, in verse number 13 speaks to God's loving kindness. And, and, and what we have to appreciate when we look at this, that what we need and what we want aren't always the same thing. What we need and what we're thankful for aren't always the same thing. See, rain is necessary for the survival of all things, but we often complain about it. You know, maybe it's spring or summer and we had a picnic or something planned and, and, and it rains. It, it, well, do you thank God for the rain right then? Well, we should, but it's interrupted uh, our plans. See, we were planning on being outside today and, and you can't be outside on a day like today. But don't you need rain? Don't you need rain to help the crops grow and, and to help living things stay alive? It, yeah, we do. We, we need them, but oftentimes uh, uh, we complain about it. Well, God sometimes is using storms to be merciful. Now, because we don't want it or because we're not thankful for it doesn't mean that we don't need it. I, I heard Brother Madeley uh, uh, in presiding over the bread uh, refer to Romans 6, verse number 23. Uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, when you stop and think about what the apostle is saying there, rather than just destroy us for our sins, God endeavors to get our attention and to correct us. Now, he would be just to just punish us, but he desires reconciliation. So he, in, as a matter of being merciful, reaches out to us to try to get our attention, but sometimes a storm is necessary to get our attention. You know, it's not always easy to, to, to reason with man. Uh, a part of the problem with us is that we can't always be reasoned with. Uh, do you remember the account of Jonah? I, I know we spent uh, a, a whole month last year uh, just in Jonah chapter four. Jonah received storms uh, uh, in the form of a great fish and, and also a scorching east wind because he refused to listen to God. You remember God told Jonah, go down to Nineveh. Well, Jonah decides, I don't like the Ninevites. I'm not going. I'm running in the other direction altogether. Well, see, Jonah, you need a storm. See, you need something to get your attention, to get you back on track. And you remember Jonah went there and preached and everybody repented and God forgave him. And that made Jonah mad too. Well, God let him sit out there in that hot Assyrian sun and bake for a little while. Well, well, Jonah, you need that storm to understand. He's a God of mercy. He desires to be reconciled rather than to punish. But in both of those cases, God was being merciful to Jonah. When you look at the things that are going on uh, uh, in our world right now, and it's something sure enough going on. I mean, you got COVID, you got uh, uh, civil unrest, you, you got insurrection, you got social injustice. I, I mean, you, we just got stuff going on all over the place. And, and somebody has, uh, uh, as an old preacher would say, the unmitigated goal to ask the question, why doesn't God do something? Well, I think God is doing something. I, I think one of the things that God is doing is he's being merciful. See, he could just stand by and watch us wreck ourselves. 
But, but God says, I need to get your attention and you won't just listen to my word. So I got to send some storms. And remember, life is not just about me. Somebody might be saying out there, well, I'm listening the best I can. Yeah, but you live in the world with the rest of us. And remember, when your life is intertwined with other people, sometimes you go through stuff because other people are going through stuff. But in all that's going on in our world today, doesn't it say to a reasonable person, we sure need Jesus? Doesn't it say to a reasonable person that man does not have the answers to his own problems? All of these things are to call our minds to the fact that, that we sure enough need Jesus. That's why God is allowing these storms. Whatever else you, know, you wanna say about it, God is allowing what he allows because he's trying to be merciful. You all need to stop and depend on me. And perhaps uh, there's someone out there in this audience and you understand, uh, you know what? Our hope does not lie in whoever is in the White House, past, present, or future. Our hope does not lie in whatever laws men may pass. Uh, our help does not lie in positive thinking and self-help. Uh, our hope lies in Christ Jesus. And if you want uh, you know, the peace that passes all understanding, if you want to be in the case where you don't have to worry about anything, then you need to be in Christ Jesus as a child of God, serving God according to his will. Now, the good thing about it is God tells us in his word just how to get in that case. God requires that we hear the good news that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. Uh, Romans 10 verse 17 declares, so then faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God, we need to hear the gospel message. We then need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, John 8, verse 24. We need to be willing to repent of sin, Luke 13, 3, Luke 13, 5. We must be willing to make the confession of faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, Matthew 10, 32. And then we need to be baptized in water for the remission of sins so that God might add us to the church and adopt us into his family. In Galatians 3, 26, verse 27, the Bible declares, for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So when we hear the gospel message preached and we submit to God's command to be baptized in the name of Christ Jesus for the remission of sins, when we go down into the waters of baptism, God washes away our sins by the blood of Christ Jesus and dwells us with his spirit, and he adds us to the church. And when we come up out of the waters of baptism, God requires that we live obediently after his word and after his will. In 1 Peter 2 verse 9, Peter says, but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praise of him that has called you from darkness into his marvelous light. If you're listening to this broadcast and you understand that I need to be baptized in the name of Christ Jesus for the remission of sins so that God can add me to the church of Christ so that I can live faithfully and serve him according to his will, then we bid you reach out to our elders at elders at laurelchurch.net and we will make provision to 
uh, baptize you into Christ Jesus this very day. And at this time, we'll have the song of invitation. <laughs> 